Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. Sarah Missoni will not be with me today. She is off doing some other food related things, but she will be back next week. We're glad that you joined us today. Uh, we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope and inspiration for all of our listeners out there. I do have a bit of food news for you all this week. Uh, the Oregon Olive Oil Festival is happening out at Durant in Dundee, Oregon. And so they're doing it a little bit different than Sear than they have in years past. Rather than just having it one weekend, they're doing all the weekends through November. So you can go out there and celebrate uh, Oregon pressed olive oil. It's real cool. You, they have their little shop out there and you can wander the grounds and you can uh, learn about how they make olive oil and taste all of their olive oils. A lot of our past guests will be there. I know uh, Kelly from Kelly's Jelly will be there. Sweet heart St. John's. So if you need something fun to do in November, go out to Durant and check it out. I am excited about our guest that's here today. I am joined today by Kate Williams. Kate is the owner of Kate's Ice Cream here in Portland, Oregon. Kate makes plant-based and gluten-free ice cream. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm so glad that you could be on the show today. Uh, we want to help connect you with our listeners. So can you tell people where to find you in the social media world? Yeah, sure. Um, Kate's Ice Cream across all platforms. So Easy peasy. And you, easy. Um, I found you on Instagram today and uh, you do such a good job of uh, reporting what you've got going on, where you're going to be, all of that stuff. So I think Instagram is a really good place for people to find you um, to see what's happening in the here yeah, and absolutely. now for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, everyone will go out there and find you. Well, I want to walk people through your experience and your journey. So let's talk about first um, what got you into making ice cream and why you make ice cream the way that you do. Yeah. Um, well, that is definitely an important part of this whole story. Um, I mean, ice cream, I mean, well, everyone loves it, first of all, but I grew up eating a lot of ice cream. Um, my mother always had it in the house. Um, she would send me to the grocery store to get a gallon of Bluebell, which was uh, just the brand name of our household. And she would be like, if it's not on sale for like seven bucks, don't get it. You know, so it was just like <laughs> big gallon at a time. Um, so we, we ate a lot of ice cream growing up. Um, even into college, I was always having my freezer stocked with ice cream. I would just kind of have it as a meal. I just always kind of had a craving for it. Um, and so, you know, I can't think that that kind of shaped my love for it, of course. Um, and then it's kind of a mixture of like 
I stumbled upon being a food entrepreneur because nothing else seemed to fit. Um, I had just graduated college. Um, my husband and I are both from Louisiana and we moved to Boston and I kind of got there and I had, I was fresh out of college and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I just started making ice cream for fun. You know, I started, I would go around like Cambridge, Massachusetts and start uh, reviewing all the ice cream shops. And I had like a little blog. And so I was very like meticulous and like what I thought made a good ice cream and what didn't. And at this time it was like full dairy. I was, I was just trying all kinds of different ice creams. Um, and kind of simultaneously during that time, I started, you know, kind of inquiring more about my own health and like kind of started dabbling into being gluten-free and like dairy-free. And, um, it would, I was just kind of like, Oh, it's a lot of like a lot of milk whenever you eat ice cream and like, doesn't sit with me very well. So, um, I also, my younger sister, um, this was like 2013. I went home. I had just been you know, dabbling and learning how to make regular ice cream and told my whole family down in Louisiana. I was like, I'm gonna make you ice cream for Christmas. It's my gift. And my youngest sister, I'll, I'll never forget. She was so sweet. She was like, Oh, you're so, that's so nice of you. She's like, I just can't have it. But like, you should totally do that. Everyone's going to love it. <laughs> and I remember just being like, well, I'm not going to do this and have everyone sit at the dinner table and enjoy this ice cream. And you are the only one who can't have it. And I just remember being like, well, that's really not okay. And I was like, I'm gonna make an ice cream that everyone can have. And so I like looked up a recipe for nutmeg ice cream and Bon Appetit um, and just kind of just threw it together. Um, I remember I used almond milk and coconut milk. And anyway, we had like a hand crank machine in my garage um, and it turned out awful. Came out pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it came out really bad. It was icy. It was hard as a rock and it didn't have any flavor. Well, I think that's the thing is that ice cream isn't easy in the first place. But then if you're making plant-based ice cream, I think that um, especially at that time, there probably wasn't a lot of resources out there. And sometimes when you have, an, I, you have an idea, it doesn't mean that it's going to work the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this really literally didn't work. And my family was super gracious. And I'm like, oh, it's great. But I returned from that trip and I was like, I want to figure this out. I was like, I, you know, I was, let me figure this out. I think I can do, do it better. And I just somehow kind of dove into just blogs, resources, contacting different companies, just really, you know, what anyone does whenever they become kind of super interested in something. I was uh, digging into all the cracks to try and figure out how to make the best dairy-free ice cream. Um, and over, you know, that was 2014, I think I was like 20 four years old or something. Uh, my recipe started coming out good and kind of would bring them to friends and that they'd be like, this is really good. And I, by that summer, I just started a business. <laughs> and I didn't even mean to, I really didn't. I had no thought about running a business or anything, but I was like, well, you know, I kind of was looking around at the market and I was like, not a lot of people are doing like vegan or dairy-free ice cream, but so many people doing ice cream you know, and I started listening to people and they're like, yeah, all the vegan ice cream on the shelf sucks. And like, I can't have dairy and da, da, da. And I was like, man, I've been enjoying this delicious treat all my life. And now like, I want something different and I know other people want something different. So I just wanted to make an ice cream that everyone could enjoy really, you know, like yeah. it, it's, it hits all the boxes that I care about. Like, you know, it's a little bit better for your digestive health. Um, you know, it helps 
people who, you know, have specific dietary restrictions, whether that be, you know, gluten-free. So I I've committed to being totally gluten-free. We have a celiac, whole celiac community. Um, and just not having to utilize so much like dairy, uh, it's just yeah. better for the environment. So I feel better about that. Just, um, more into the plant-based food movement. And at that point, when you started your business, were you based in Portland or did you come here after you started it? Yeah. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Sorry. I didn't actually say that. That was my first ice cream business. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was my first foray into figuring out how to run a business. So uh, I did that for a few years in Boston and then closed it up and we moved to Portland. So Portland is where Kate's ice cream launched. Oh, okay. So you started over when you got here. I started over. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so interesting. Like I just stumbled into running an ice cream business and decided to make it my career, even though I closed the first one. Yeah. And well, Portland's a good city, I think, to have a plant-based, a gluten-free ice cream business, because I think that there's a lot of, um, a lot of people have dietary restrictions for whatever reason, but we also do have a very thriving vegan community here. And so it's a good, it's a good place for you to settle in and start this business. So you moved here, you started it up. Did you um, start at farmer's markets or? Yeah. 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 uh, started and, at the PSU farmer's market. Great. great I, spot. I've done that market for a lot of years, but I don't know that I saw you there, which doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it just means that we are two women who were running a booth at the same time and probably couldn't leave our booths. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> you, I don't, I didn't really get to partake in the market. I was just hustling. And then if I had to go to the restroom, I was out and back, you know, that's, that's I how mean, it goes. That's how it still is for me. I, <laughs> I have to have my booth neighbor watch my booth while I run up to the bathroom really quick. But yeah, so I don't get out of my booth much, but it's good to know that we were there at the same time at some point in time. Um, so do you still do farmer's markets? I don't do farmer's markets anymore. Um, and not because I don't love them, but because it, for me and for us, is just so laborious. Um, yeah. Bringing a frozen product, to a market in the heat. Um, and you know, whether we're going to transport a big freezer or if we're going to use dry ice, um, dry ice is a very expensive route. Um, the freezer is a very heavy route that I can't really do with one person. I need like two people. Oh my goodness. The logistics around that drove me insane. And I said, you know what, I'm going to focus all my efforts on actually getting people to come to me. And so I don't, really exit my walls too frequently. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. You know, I, I think that for ice cream people, it is, it is hard because you have to figure out how to keep things very cold. And especially when people want ice cream is when it's hot outside and when it's cold outside and you don't have to worry about things melting, people don't want ice cream. So yeah, very, uh-huh. very challenging for you, I'm sure to do the farmer's market. Yeah. Well, yeah. um, Let's talk about, so we talked about that you make uh, your ice cream plant-based. Let's talk about what you use instead of Yeah. Yeah. So we use coconut and cashew milk. Um, So we've got like two bases. One's a coconut base and then one's a coconut cashew blend. Um, So yeah, we were, you know, use a lot of like nut milk and a lot of all natural ingredients. Um, I think whenever I was starting out, I was just using coconut milk and I heard a big complaint is that, Oh, all vegan ice cream tastes like coconut. And so one of my biggest goals, in addition to just making like really good ice cream period, not good for vegan, um, was that I wanted it to be 
like you're really getting a flavor. Like if you're getting chocolate ice cream, you're getting chocolate ice cream, not chocolate plus coconut. And so that's something that I think I have succeeded in. It's like, you can't really tell that coconut flavor in many, many of the flavors. So I wanted it to, you know, you to have an experience, not an experience plus coconut. <laughs> yeah. Such an identifiable flavor. That's good. I, when I, my daughter is seven and when I was coming down here to interview you, she was like, who's, she always asked me who's on the show. So she's like, who's on the show? And I said, oh, it's Kate. She makes ice cream. And she's like, I love ice cream. And she wanted to know how you make ice cream. So I, I thought that was a really sweet question that, cause we don't really get into the details of like manufacturing, but if you were going to tell a seven-year-old how you make yeah. ice cream, what would you say? Well, this is cute because we actually host kids field trips in my production kitchen and it's just adorable to like see their, you know, I, I might walk them into the walk-in freezer and they squeal and everything. It's so cute. <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, first to make an ice cream, you make your base. And even though ice cream's frozen, you actually cook your base. So you need to heat it up. So we cook our base, um, which is, you know, coconut milk, sugar, things like that. Um, once that's cool, you know, we flavor it. So for example, if we're using chocolate, we might just blend in some cocoa powder there. And then, um, once, once it's all like at temperature, like, you know, refrigerator temperature, um, we'll put it into our ice cream machine. So our ice cream machine is 700 pounds and, uh, my, my, uh, pride and joy. I love him. His name's Emerson. Um, and you know, once the it's liquid, it goes into an ice cream machine and what turns liquid into an ice cream is the fact that it's being frozen while simultaneously whipping air inside of it. So ice cream becomes ice cream because it's got air in it and frozen. So that's what it whips and uh, expands. So, and then we pull it and freeze it and there you have ice cream. That's super cool. I, I did see a video of your ice cream machine. I wasn't sure if you had just one or if as you grew, did you have to get more ice cream machines? Yeah, I should probably have a bigger one than I do right now, but <laughs> I ain't about to spend that money right now. Yeah. Um, anytime, you know? <laughs> you need, anytime you need special machinery, it's so expensive. Yeah. And um, But I did see that. Do you hand um, add the flavoring yeah. like you whip yeah, it in? Yeah, the mix-ins. Yep. We that's, add all that by hand. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. It gives us a really good gauge on like how much to put into what I think that's why most of our pints are really, really consistent. I train everyone who's working with us to, you know, imagine if you've sitting on your couch with a pint of ice cream and you're digging for the mix-ins and you can't find any till like you get to the bottom or like you hardly had any. I was like, that's a not cool experience. I was like, <laughs> we want to have a very even amount all over. Like, just imagine this is your ice cream, you know? <laughs> so yeah. we're trying to make the pints and the ice cream, you know, be pretty, be pretty consistent with how many brownies. I love that yeah. though, because it still means that it is, um, you know, there's a thought process there and it's being hand done to a certain standard of what you want rather than it just coming, you know, down an assembly line all uh -huh. exactly the same. So each one yeah. is going to be different and special for your customer, which is very cool. <laughs> I want to, um, talk a little bit about the flavors that you do. So if you were to pick a flavor of ice cream that tells your story best, what would it be? Oh, certainly our Marionberry cobbler. Um, yeah. that, that is the flavor. That's the first flavor I developed for Kate's ice cream. Um, that is the one Willamette weekly called it the it flavor of 2020. I thought that that was the cutest. <laughs> I was like, I'll never forget that. Um, 
and it's just the one that we're known for. So it's our signature flavor. It's the most popular ordered. I mean, you know, it's essentially a vanilla ice cream. We use a um, lot of vanilla, a lot of vanilla bean as well. Um, throw in some marionberry jam, and then we make a gluten-free walnut oat streusel. So it's it's basically, it's like pie. It's really creamy. It's smooth. And um, it's also our most expensive flavor. So <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah, for sure. I, that And well, I think that when you care about all your ingredients and you like to source from local farmers and local mm-hmm. people. And so that not only takes care and specific choices, but also it costs you a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's okay. But I think what you're doing is really special and I'm sure Mm -hmm. your customers appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can get a a cheaper ice cream anywhere, but I guess I'm not really trying to make cheap ice cream, not trying to break the bank with it either. Um, But I mean, I just number one goal is make the best ice cream. Like, yeah, you know, I think that's a great goal to have. And the people that understand that will find you and, and support you. And I mean, that's like why we do this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We care. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think it's great. Um, We're going to take a quick break and then um, we're going to come back and we're going to hear about what is on the horizon for you. Okay. We'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. And uh, I want to hear about this new space that you have opening up soon. Tell us all about it. Yeah, this is the exciting part. And it's so great that we're doing this interview today, um, the first day of November, uh, because last night, um, Halloween day, I closed my current ice cream shop. Um, This past year and a half, we opened up a pop-up courtyard ice cream shop that was open on the weekends. And we've been running that for a year and a half. And uh, the time has come to open an official brick and mortar. So last night, really, just uh, I just really took it in and I said, wow, I feel like I finally closed this chapter and I am now stepping into the new ice cream shop um, officially. So that's very exciting. Um, so we're opening up on North Mississippi. We're actually moving into the former Ruby Jewel. Um, and I'm super excited about that just to continue serving ice cream to the community. So it's been an ice cream shop for, I think, about 11 years now. So I'm really honored to be able to, to take it over. Um, and so moving my whole production there and moving my ice cream shop. And I know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are interested in production and, you know, all the kind of facets that go into food, uh, uh, food business. Uh, so whenever I was, you know, originally leased this space, I wasn't going to move my production into there. Um, but I kind of really dove into my finances after the summer, whenever I had a moment to take a breath. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, you know what? I don't think I can afford not to. (laughs) So I kind of like, I really flipped my whole plan. Um, like late in the summer and I was like, I'm moving everything under one roof. It's going to make logistics so much easier. It's just going to be a lot tighter space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so, you know, I'm still doing a lot with a little, um, I have a walk-in freezer, but I need a bigger one. It would be really great to have a lot more space. But right now 
that's not possible. And so I'm, I'm doing everything that I can creatively to just save money uh, and just keep my operating expenses as low as I can, especially in this post COVID world. Um, but you know, and, and while maintaining just a really solid output, I guess. So I think construction still, yeah, (laughs) I think that's a good plan. I mean, um, I know it's hard to make those decisions sometimes because of course people want to grow, but sometimes Mm. you have to just do what's going to keep your business going. So if that means being all in one place and having, you know, one, rent expense, then that's what you got to do. And so you can make it work. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes people always hear about people growing, but they don't always hear that it's good to keep things sometimes even smaller or even downsized. But I think that um, that's what's working for you right now. And it doesn't mean that you Mm -hmm. can't do something else later on. Absolutely. I think um, the pandemic taught me to be more fiscally conservative. Um, than yeah. I was in the past. I think I was playing a lot, a lot of offense. I mean, sorry. Yeah, I was playing a lot of offense in the past. And now I'm like, you know what? Let's get our defense game going <laughs> a little bit stronger. <laughs> yeah. Let's be a little stronger here. So yeah. I think that makes sense. And I, I think it's really nice that you're moving into a space that people already know, um, you know, for yeah. ice creams and for mm-hmm. treats and that the neighborhood already knows because that is a really... Um, that's such a like neighborhoody street, you know, like people mm-hmm. just really support it. And the, you know, the businesses are all locally owned and I think it's just a great spot for you to be in. So yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. I think it'll be really Thanks. great for you. Thanks. Uh, I'm so excited for Mississippi. It's, it's just going to be such a great, a great spot. I, I really wanted to talk about um, the collaborations that you do and the people that you work with, because I noticed that even some of our past guests you've done projects with. So uh, is there anybody that you want to shout out to that you've made ice cream with that, um, that, that you want to tell people about? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I know Lisa of Heyday Donuts was just on your podcast recently, and she and I did a collaborative dessert together. We did, you know, her uh, rice flour baked donuts with a scoop of ice cream on top and sort of, um, drizzled like fun toppings on top of them. And we called them flying saucers because they looked like little UFOs. (laughs) So cute. Um, so yeah, um, since day one, I've really focused on doing collaborative, um, events and, and products flavors with, uh, local businesses. So I really focus on working with women and minority owned businesses. I really focus on if I'm going to use produce, I'm working with a local farm. Um, if I'm going to use an ingredient, it's from, you know, someone who might be locally making it like a honeycomb or something. Um, and so, yeah, I've done a lot of really fun desserts. And in addition to being an ice cream company, I'm uh, really focused on being a dessert company as well, all plant-based and all gluten-free. So you can't really get those like everywhere. They're certainly not oversaturated. Um, so I just want to continue innovating and like making people excited for things. Like last week I created a new a Snickers bar and, you know, people loved Snickers bars growing up, but there's so many people who are like, no, I'm not going to a put that in my body or B I can't have that or uh, mm-hmm. whatever reason, whoever chooses to eat, whichever way they, they choose. Um, I was like, well, I'm gonna make an all natural one and it's really good and it's really simple and you just get a Snickers bar from Kate. So <laughs> that did well it's I think that's the funnest thing about um you know having your own business is that you can kind of make those calls you can do whatever you want if you're like I want to make something that people can't have that I've enjoyed or I want to work with this person who I think is super cool and I want to support you can do those those things and I think that the city is a really nice way of um 
looking for those things and supporting them. And we have this really collaborative spirit amongst all the makers, which is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Portland is unlike any other place I lived. Whenever I was in Boston running my business, I felt very swallowed up. Like it was so big. I didn't really, I mean, Portland is a whole different experience. I was like, wow, this is a beautiful place to start a small business. Um, and I, it, it's just, it's gifted me as much as I feel like I've given a good, a good ice cream to others as well. So. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, I wanted to talk about your team a little bit because yeah. it, you have a, a lot of people that um, make your business run and thrive. So is there anybody you want to shout out to your team members? Tell us what they do, <laughs> how they help you, those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll shout out everyone who's ever had their, <laughs> their hands in making ice cream with me. Um, thank I mean, I couldn't do it without them. Um, so thank you all. Um, I guess I'll shout out. Uh, well, I don't know. I can't single someone out. I'll shout out my manager, my production manager. She has made my life a lot easier. She's super organized. Um, and I'm really grateful to have her. Um, but like all the girls who work in the ice cream shop, I mean, I get reviews all the time. I get DMS, I get Yelp, you know, messages, Oh, the, the girls that, you know, and they even know their names, like Maddie, Michi, Christy, like, oh, they're so amazing. They're so great. They're so nice. And they do a good job at remembering people's names. And so the team that I've got, like working in the ice cream shop more in that forward facing um, job, they're just, they're doing a great job. And it makes me proud that they're helping to, uh, you know, build our reputation and people are really happy whenever they come there. So I certainly, I'm like, I tell them, I'm like, yo, customer service, like it's super important to me. Like, you got to care if you want to work here. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't, it ain't going to work out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's, you know, that's good. I think that, um, you know, when you're a business owner and you're hiring people to especially be customer facing, you really have to choose people wisely because they become part of you. They become the representation yeah. of you. And, um, and that's true for every business. But I think when you're a maker, especially it, um, it gets tricky because people sometimes even just think that that person selling them ice cream is, is you, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. and so it, they, you have to definitely, um, they have to embody your spirit a little bit to be part of, of who you are. Yeah. Is it is it hard for you to choose people to hire or does it come easy for you? Um, I've always kind of gone with my gut. Um, I don't really care what their past looks like. I just kind of like, what are what are your goals right now? And why do you want to be here? And um, I, I just, so far, I feel like I've had a really great success in, in, in most of the people that I've, I've been able to bring on, but we've still been small. So I'm sure that that won't come without its difficulties as we open the ice cream shop and I'll be expanding the team, you know, by, I guess, double. So I'm sure it'll have its own, own, own uh, struggles, but I mean, I definitely, I, I, and I know anyone who's got a small business is going to like deeply feel what I'm about to say, but hiring this summer was so painful. <laughs> like it was just so hard to find people. It was just yeah. so short staffed. I was, I thought I was going to lose my mind <laughs> <laughs> and every, all my peers that I talked to, they said that they were going through the same thing, just difficulty finding people. So, but luckily I feel like that phase has, has passed. And, um, you know, fortunately feel people are feeling safer to get back to work and, and other, uh, another myriad of reasons, but, um, yeah, so far, I think that I've had a good, a good success rate in hiring. 
That's great. I um I forgot to ask you when we were talking about your um, Mississippi location, but when do you plan on opening then? Oh, isn't that a, isn't that the million dollar question right now? <laughs> um, I mean, I thought we were going to be open in October, but October's gone. <laughs> and, uh, my plumbing still isn't even in. So I think realistically, we'll be open in like mid to late January. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's going to be sooner than that. As much as that breaks my heart, I mean, it's so tough. Like this construction time, it's the dead of winter almost. Like we closed our current shop. It's it's a struggle right now for sure. Yeah, it's, it's not rainbows right now. So you're thinking maybe January, and and until your shop is open, do you do um, pop ups and things still? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna do some pop ups around town. Um, I've got a couple that are planned out. I'm gonna announce soon to the community. Um, yeah. So people can maybe look to your Instagram to, um, see where you'll pop up until your shop's open. Always. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, let's talk a little bit about distribution because we haven't had anybody that, um, does ice cream on the show. So you probably have two different forms of distribution, probably, Mm -hmm. um, two stores and then direct to customer. How do you go about doing that with a frozen product? Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. We sell to grocery and then we sell right out of our ice cream shop. Um, to grocery, we work with a local um, distributor called Beeline um, specifically for new seasons. And uh, they actually have like, um, you know, insulated uh, e-bikes, like electric bicycles and, and trucks. So they they committed to, they understand if they're picking up a case, they're going straight back to their facility. So, you know, um as far as that goes, I think, you know, if you're working with anyone larger, they're going to have like a freezer truck. You just got to keep it cold. And then right to the customer, if I sell them an ice cream pint, they know they just got to get home. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that part's easy because it's up to them to get it home. Otherwise, <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> True. Yeah, no, if, you know, with, with selling the grocery, you, you can never be sure the the quality of your product the minute that it leaves your hands. You know, what if someone accidentally leaves it out for a little bit long and it gets a little soft and then refrozen. And so that's, you know, that's just one of the downfalls, but also the, the benefits of it. You get to reach a wider audience and people get to have brand recognition whenever it's on the shelf. And so you just do what you can. I control the things I can't and the things that I can't. I'm just going to keep them away from my mind. <laughs> that makes sense. When you <laughs> ship direct to customer, do you um, have to overnight it in like an insulated pack or something like that? Yeah. Um, we use um, a compostable non-GMO corn liner, which is great. You put it right under the water and it melts after you receive your ice cream. And we use dry ice. So uh, dry ice will last 48 hours in there. So I ship it two day. Mm-hmm. So That's yeah, we great. ship all over the country. Was it hard for you to find um, sustainable packaging? That's one thing I know that a lot of um, yeah. small business owners are trying to do right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a lot of difficulty getting shipping perfect, like perfected to a T, like the right size, the right price, the right shipping method, et cetera. Um, but if anyone is out there looking for, um, you know, uh, sustainable uh, interior cooling packaging, I use a company called Green Cell. So you could look into them and they did a custom size for me and everything. So, Oh, that's great. That's good to know. Um, so we can also, sometimes people will 
ask us later, you guys were talking about some company. What was it? Uh (laughs) Yeah. Let's give some details. (laughs) It's good for us to know. Um, And then let's talk about your packaging and design for your um, Mm -hmm. ice cream. So has it changed at all over time or has it stayed the same? It stayed the same. Um, I love my packaging. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with a friend and artist um, named Maya and she, uh, I knew that I wanted my brand to look like art, um, but I really wasn't sure what. And I kind of wanted it to look a little abstract. And so the design on the Kate's Ice Cream Pints and the brand is actually her paint strokes transferred to digital. Um, and so, yeah, I still love it. I'm still saying the same, just evolving and bringing in new colors. But um, it's going to stay that way for a while. We're going we're gonna to keep that look. It's pretty unique and people love it. So, and I love yeah, it. So. I think it looks great. Um, do you, it looks like it's handwritten. Do you handwrite the flavors on every one? No, we, all of our like regular flavors are all printed like that go to grocery and are in the store, but we, whenever we do new flavors, yeah, we'll handwrite the flavor. So we'll might do like a temporary flavor for a month or two. And so we'll handwrite those instead of, you know, printing um, yeah. all of them. Yeah. It, well, it looks lovely. It makes it, it, it fits with that, um, you know, handmade ice cream look yeah. and it's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, so I did see on your website that you have an ice cream cart that people can book for parties. Yeah. yeah. Um, I designed that and, uh, worked with a friend. Um, and he built it all for me. Um, I'm really proud of that thing, except that it's so heavy. And I just uh, sometimes just wish that it transported itself, but <laughs> it's uh, it's really cute. Um, and yeah, we've got a little ice cream cart, bring it to events, weddings, birthday parties, all the things, catering, you know, anytime you'd want ice cream, I'll figure out how to get it to you. So yeah. Uh, that's really great. Well, and then it's nice because, um, you know, if you're going to someone's say wedding and you're bringing this ice cream for their guests, then you become part of their story and part of their journey. And so like forever, you know, when they have an anniversary or hang out with their friends or things like that, you, you stay connected to those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We worked at, um, a wedding, uh, I, I guess it was August and, uh, it was just really sweet. Like they sent us the photographer photos afterward and the bride and groom were sitting at like right next to the ice cream cart, eating the ice cream. And like, you know, me and my girl Maddie were like in the background and I was just like, wow, yeah, we're in these people's wedding photos. This is so cute (laughs) to have like an ice cream cart there. I really, you know, those kind of things like really touch my heart. Just whenever the community just does things like this last weekend, one of our, my regulars, um, she brought me like a little handmade card that her two daughters made me. And it was like, Kate, good luck at your ice cream shop. And I just like started tearing up. I was like, yo, you're going to, you're going to get me. Like, <laughs> going to tear me up. <laughs> That's so sweet though. But I mean, you know, it, when you're part of people's food experience and especially when you're providing something that maybe they didn't think that they could have for people that, you know, didn't think they would eat ice cream again. I mean, you're really, you stay connected with them, you know? Yeah. That's my favorite part of what I do. Whenever people come and they say, I've never had a root beer float before, or um, I've never had a waffle cone before because they're gluten intolerant. Yeah. Or, you know, I haven't had ice cream like this in years, or I have, or I just gave up on ice cream because I can't have dairy and, you know, mm-hmm. nothing's good. Things like that. I'm just like, wow, like 
because I know how good ice cream is and I want people to like it's so nostalgic and so you know whenever people say those kind of things no matter how hard the the day has been or something I'm just like this is why truly this is like why I do it like to see people happy like that 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 brings me um, a lot of motivation yeah Yeah, I think it's great. I think on the days that are really hard for you or when you're making all these decisions or your plumber isn't showing up or whatever it is, you can remember (laughs) those things that you are providing to people and that, um, you know, you're really connecting to a lot of people in the community out there. Yeah. Well, we talked about um, the flavor that you, uh, you know, think best describes your company or best represents you, but let's tell people about other flavors that they can find. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Newest flavor coming out in two weeks is peppermint patty crunch. And this is actually one of the most popular flavors of the year. So I'm excited to, to launch that. It will be like launching at pop-up. So it's definitely going to be a, an effort to come and get it, but, um, that, and then I just, just launched a dessert line. So I've got, you know, um, I'm starting to sell chocolate chip cookies and I've started selling frozen dough. So you can make cookies with your family at home. I'm really excited about that. I've been wanting to do cookie dough for a long time because during the pandemic, my husband and I were just baking cookies after cookies <laughs> after cookies. And I was like, I think I can do these cookies better. So I've been working on a cookie dough recipe for a long time. But um, let's see some other flavors. Um, right now, pistachio uh, is a new flavor and we're going to have it in the shop. And that's actually one of my favorite ones right now. I didn't even like pistachio ice cream growing up. Um, but now I'm like, yo, I love this one. So <laughs> We got a lot of different flavors. Salted peanut butter brittle is uh, our second most popular flavor. We hand make that brittle. Um, I mean, it's really good. It's almost tastes caramelly, you know? So, yeah, I, you know, I like of- seeing the process of you um, making all the different components that go into your ice cream. Because I think that's mm-hmm. not always the way that things work in the production world. So what, yeah. um, when you, let's just talk about the... Um, the peanut brittle when so what when when you're making that you're first making the ice cream and then what are the other steps to it of what you do yeah so I mean whatever is in the ice cream is like a baked good or something so that we might just have like a whole baking day where we're making a bunch of the mixes so we might make our brownies or our house made oreos or our brittle um for example or our streusel so you know we just make a bunch of that on hand and then we will add that by hand to the ice cream once it's already churned um, and that's, you know, that's what we do. So we make like 90% of the, of the products that go into our ice cream for sure. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that, um, process. So we talked about you doing some, uh, pop-ups, you'll announce the ones that you have later, but, um, mm-hmm. what kind of places do you usually pop up in? Like, is it restaurants or is it different? Yeah, it's, eh, let's see. Um, I guess it's just wherever I feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to pop up at a friend. My friend has a, a healthy little um, organic juice smoothie bowl cafe on Fremont called Happy Day Juice Company. And they close at three. So I just called her. I was like, hey, can I just have your space in the evenings like the whole weekend? And so the weekend of November 12th, we're going to be there. Oh, cool. Um, so she was like, yeah. And, you know, some holiday markets, just what I feel like aligns with, you know, what I'm all about and what we're all about. So you know, I just love working with people that I think are really cool and that they share some values. And, um, so those are, those are the things that I prioritize, I guess, 
I really just go with my gut (laughs) (laughs) and I try and do some homework too. Like, you know, what's the reputation like and things like that. Yeah. You want to make sure um, your values align with the places that you're going to be in for sure. Oh yeah. And you know, yeah, that we're attaching ourselves to something that we can be proud of. Yeah. Uh, well, do you have any advice for aspiring food entrepreneurs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like I've talked with a lot of, you know, people over the years who have wanted some advice or like people DM me and be like, I'm starting the ice cream company or any kind of company. And the one thing that I tell them, I was like, call people, like get on the phone with people, talk to people. Cause I think that, you know, you might, whenever you start first to have an idea, you might just kind of hunker down and try and figure out what you can on your own. And I'm like the, the immense breakthroughs that happen whenever you just open up your mouth sometimes is just so crazy. So what I would do is like, I call ice cream companies in different States. Cause I was like, if they get on the phone with me, I'm of no competition to them. I'm not in their market. Um, and I've just, you know, so many people have written me back of LinkedIn, some people. Um, and then just, I have a friend who doesn't even do, um, anything like my type of work, but she's a food entrepreneur and she's incredibly creative. And so anytime I'm like, Hey, can I just have like a creative session with you real quick? I like call her and I'll be like, this is my idea. Like, is it cool? Is it gonna work? And she'll just like bring in her own ideas. And then I'll leave that meeting and be like, okay, cool. I know what I'm doing. And it just, I don't know. I think just uh, talking to people is super important. Um, and then I guess my second piece of advice that I typically have always said is that uh, I think the longer that you start to do it, the more you understand that the ebbs and flows are always going to be there. Remember I was first starting out as an entrepreneur, you know, those lows hit and you're like despondent. <laughs> you're like, what's mm-hmm. happening? It's not working. But then before you know it, like an email will be in your inbox and like changes the whole game. Um, so those highs and lows are always going to be there. So if you can, um, just take the good with the bad, you know, you you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I mean, there's been some serious lows that I've hit with the business, some scary times, um, some mistakes, um, and you know, some, some choices that I've made that I was like, man, that wasn't the wisest choice to make in the, in the, in the long run, but you know, I got to keep going and I'm like, all right, I I still believe it's going to work completely. So I mean, you got to ask be your own biggest cheerleader sometimes. Um, so just keep, keep going forward, talk to people, ask advice. And I, a lot of people mentored me getting here. A lot of people got on the phone with me. A lot of people helped me. And so it's really important to me to also give that back to others. So anyone yeah. coming up underneath me or anybody has questions, I really try and make time for them whenever I can, for sure. So and give back. Yeah, I, I'm the same. And I think that's a, a great way to do it. And a great way to be a business owner is to be part of other new business owners journeys. And I think um, it's a really good mindset to have. But that, and that was going to be my next question was, uh, is there anybody that helped you along the way? Oh, yes. Uh, uh... I think one of the most influential people was a woman named Deanna. Um, she owns uh, a vegan ice cream kind of restaurant or ice cream shop chain in Boston. It's called FOMU. A lot of people will be uh, familiar with it, but they own like four or five ice cream shops in the Boston area. And she showed me what it would be like to A, be able to run a shop that is an alternative ice cream product. And B, she had a family. So that also is something that I want to do one day is run my business and have a family. So she showed me that that can be done. And, you know, she took meetings with me and she like kind of mentored me whenever I was just starting out. So 
her amongst um, a bunch of other people. Um, there's a woman named Heidi who uh, ran Heidi Ho Cheese. Many people um, probably know about that. And she has been by my side for, you know, over a year now, just really, really helping me. Um, so I've got, I've got some great people. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Heidi's been a guest on the show. We, we love her. She was my farmer's market neighbor for a long time. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Heidi goes way back. Yeah. Yeah. She's so fun. I'm glad that she is part of your, your journey. She's really good with that too. When people want to um, start a plant-based business or go plant-based mm-hmm. or even just like, even just for people who want to do something like that in their restaurant. I know she's done a lot of stuff um, in mm-hmm. the community. So it's very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, we want to make sure to um, send people to you directly. And um, so let's talk about where people can find your product directly from you, but then also where they can go and buy it if they can't get to you. Yeah. Uh, well, first, you know, the best way to find us is, to, I mean, really follow us on Instagram. <laughs> um, I will be announcing like where we'll be popping up over the next two months during the holidays. But our ice cream shop is currently temporarily closed um, and we will be reopening in the new year. Um, in the meantime, you can buy our pints at New Seasons and uh, you can ship our ice cream nationally um, for the holidays if you have anyone you'd like to gift. That's such a great idea. And, um, you know, it brings up for we were just talking about before we started the show, how important it is during this the holiday season to buy things locally and to support local mm-hmm. businesses. So um, will your new shop have gift cards at all that people can get? Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. absolutely. Great. So, um, yeah. So people can find those and, um, and they'll come out to your pop-ups. And I think that, um, is there any final thoughts that you have that you want our um, listeners to know? Um, I would say that I can't wait to see you um, next year because we're going to give you the best ice cream. Um, and I think that the best way to order is to always get the waffle cone my own recipe our gluten-free waffle cones are delicious and so if you order a scoop and a cone i think that that's the best decision that you can make whenever you come see us next time (laughs) all right well okay it was so good to talk to you today and to hear about your business and i love what you're doing and um, i really hope that the community can come and get your ice cream super soon at your shop and just hang on until january (laughs) (laughs) it'll be here before i know it it will be it will be all right thank you for coming on the show today absolutely thank you sarah We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message on our Missoni and Marshall Instagram, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch.
10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program. 